I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. We've brought back former co-host of the podcast, now Sacramento Kings extraordinaire, Mr. Brendan Nunes. He left here as a contributor to the Kings Herald. He's still at the Kings Herald. He's still running the Kings Pulse. But now Brendan's legit media. He is up in the team practices. You know, he's best friends with Tyrese Halliburton at this point. He's seriously killing it. It's great to see how far he's come since the last time he was on this show. And as usual, you've got me, Adam Taylor. You've got my homeboy, my partner in crime every Tuesday. Or sorry, every Wednesday, every Friday. Tuesday's the day we record, you see. Mr. Will Weir, what's going on, my guys? Hey, what's up, Adam? Pumped to have our guest in here, man. The guest of honor, Brendan Nunez. Glad, glad to have you on here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I don't know about all the hype up in the intro. I'm pretty sure Tyrese hates me, but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it no matter. You yeah, know, I, you I was tired of the Celtics. Lose, I wanted to cover some good basketball, so. So what happened there, then? Yeah. Well, and then, you know, yeah, that's a good question. I, I wasn't expecting that one. You, you got me there. You got me there. <laughs> Brendan be making bad decisions and somehow stumbles into a credential. I don't know how this works, but you know, I mean, you're in a, you're in sunny Sacramento right now. Everything's looking rosy. If you look out the window, if you look at your basketball team, everything's looking terrible, which is normal. And we decided what we wanted to do. Relatable or what? Well, <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Shots fired. I mean. Yeah, man. I like the crossfire already on this one. Everyone's catching shrapnel, dude. Um, <laughs> shards are just flying everywhere. And we're like two minutes in. Well, how are you doing, man? Let's try and let's try and add some uh, some civility back to this episode. I'm doing good, man. We're fresh off of, you know, before, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen in the Kings game tonight. But as we're recording, we're fresh off the 50 piece from Jason Tatum. So, you know, throughout the year, we keep looking for these little cookie crumbs of momentum. We've been disappointed time and time and time again this season. But this could be the one, Adam. This could be yeah, the one, could. although this could look like a really bad opening, depending on what happens in the game tonight. So <laughs> we'll see. Brendan, how many 50-point games does any Kings player have this season? I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> they do go um, that high. That is, that, that is illegal. You can count. Yeah, it does happen. I, I want to say a 38 is probably the most we saw this year. And, and Terrence Davis team. had like 35 the other night. So <laughs> that's, that's clearly who we were expecting to be the guy, right? Yeah. No, so Fox, things are going Fox, well. I think Fox has like a 38 earlier this year or something. They yeah, lost I mean the that's game, fair. But... That's fair. Now fuck. Look, let's let's dive into the into the the content people want to hear, man. Which is why is Buddy Hield being linked with Boston, and why is it the worst idea in the world? That's what everybody wants to know. Was he? Uh, has he been linked? That would... Well, just I mean between fans. Got you. Got there's you. been a few. Generally, there's been a few mock trades. Yeah, you know, Bleach Report have tied his name a few times. You'll see people kind of throw his name in there as an option when i say linked i don't mean like officially yeah. linked then i'd be like, like you know there's an official yeah. report yeah i get you i just wanted to make sure i didn't miss something um that's okay the King's i think the that it's oh yeah i know because i miss a lot of things with everything that i have to watch um i think that it's just those nights that the celtics have had throughout this year that um i see reported or you tell me about adam and i'm like man that really happened they missed how 
they made two out of how many threes or what there's been so many of these ridiculous shooting nights right um so i think that when there's these obvious things of man there's these games where this team just sucks to shoot from three it's like oh well let's just go get the guy that's made the second most threes this season because the first one's steph curry we're not getting freaking steph curry uh buddy's reportedly available and an elite three-point shooter and i think that like it's just a simple conclusion like that um there's i don't know that uh buddy brings anything else um it's kind of duncan robinson-esque i think you could say um no, and I then you come up in since left well and then you can see stretches like duncan robinson has had at the beginning of this year yeah. where you know even guys that are elite shooters are gonna have their slumps um and buddy's been really streaky right now um he had a game of I want to say it was 14 three-point attempts, at least, at least. I want to say it's even higher than that, but I don't want to um, over-dramatize how much it was. And then the next game he comes out and shoots two of them. Um, in this, in a recent game that they played, he apparently was unhappy with uh, getting chewed out at the beginning of the game for what was a pretty bad shot attempt, um, and he didn't shoot again after that. That was in the first quarter. Um, so... He's a horrible defender, um, really, really bad defender. Like, I would argue one of the worst defenders in the league. He really tries. It's not an effort thing, which is kind of concerning, <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh, if it's effort, like maybe in a better situation, you'll try harder. Um, like, isolation is not horrible or anything like that. I, I think it just, you know, the recognition on when he should rotate um, comes a second too late, half a second too late. Um so, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of other aspects. Like, Buddy is a great three-point shooter. If you can make his role where he is just running off of screens, like, he's he's got a really quick release. He can be off balance. His feet sometimes are in completely random, weird directions. Um, not because he's inconsistent with that or anything, but when you're shooting off movement and you catch at weird angles and he's still able to hit it. So, like, when it comes to shooting and the variance of his three-point shooting, he's great there. Um, it's just about optimizing that talent where you have other playmakers around him that are going to be able to set him up or uh, drivers that he's spacing for and uh, and then also the surrounding defensive talent to kind of make up for his shortcomings there. So let me ask you this, Brendan, because I'm on the opposite side of this. I actually think Buddy Heald is a guy that that I would like to see on the Celtics. I've been dying for years for a guy that actually creates gravity to give guys like the Jays to work. And they really haven't had a true source of gravity, especially not over the last two years. And so I know Buddy shoots it at a high volume, but he also shoots it typically his entire, he has a, a you know long enough history where he's shooting 38 to 40% on, you know, 10 threes a game, which is insane that he shoots 14 times a game on average and 10 of them are threes. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And like you mentioned, like kind of the, the Duncan Robinson facsimile and i'll be honest the fact that you say he tries on defense i know he's bad on defense and i don't watch enough kings closely but the fact that you say he gives enough effort on defense depending on what goes out if he's being surrounded by rob williams al horford you know the jays marcus smart if he has enough of a a defensive ecosystem around him as long as he's given the effort i'm not as worried about the defensive banks i think you need to make certain sacrifices at times to have balance and clearly offensively we cannot find any type of consistent rhythm so i think to give a little on the defensive side to get more on the offensive end is something i'm totally for at this point in the celtic season to the to the point of just changing it up 
But I think obviously it comes down to, you know, what you're giving up. So from a Kings perspective, if you're dealing with Boston, you're looking at Boston's roster. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Buddy Heald has, does he have one and a half or two and a half years left at, at roughly roughly 20 million? Is that that's kind of what his contract is? Yeah, it's this year and then uh, two afterwards. I want to say he's 22 million this year, 20 the year after, 18 the year after that. Okay, so 22 is the number we kind of would have to focus on getting to. It's too big for the TPEs that the Celtics still have remaining. So we'd have to figure out 22 million and value that kind of work. From a Kings perspective, what would you be looking at? Because ultimately, to me, if the price matches, this is something that I see working out, but it would come down to, to what that price is. I mean, I, I don't know about value. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's the wrong word choice. <laughs> yeah, like, um, no, 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 I get what you're saying. It's just, I, I mean, I think that we've seen the Kings try to shop buddy for the last two years and get nothing you know mm-hmm. and maybe that's because they value him a little bit more and are waiting for a situation where kind someone's gonna look to at him to a certain degree right um and, and you know i think like the lakers deal that was in place and then got um backtracked for the russell westbrook deal of buddy was going to go to la for montres harrell and Cantavius caldwell pope um and obviously, I mean, I think both teams would have really benefited from making that deal, especially look at where the Lakers are at now. Um, I'm glad that we both can, we can all crap on the Lakers together, by the way. That's been my one consistency hopping between the Celtics and the Kings. <laughs> um, but it's hard for me to be able to tell, like, is that a example of kind of setting the market for Buddy? Or is that an outlier because the Lakers were going to ship or I'm sorry, it wasn't KCP and uh, Montrezl Harrell. It was Kyle Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell. Because um, the Lakers were going to ship two or three of those guys pretty much, it seemed like, no matter what, last offseason in order to make some sort of improvement. So it's hard for me to tell. us like, is that the market or was that an outlier because some team was desperate to make a move? Um, I tend to think it's probably the latter. Um, so, I mean, I honestly... Think that like if there were some expiring that could just take on Buddy, I'd be more than happy to do that. Um, I know the Celtics don't exactly have that situation. I personally would gladly do Al Horford for Buddy Heald. I don't know if that's where you guys are at. Um, the Kings do not have a four. I also don't know exactly if Al's a four, but he's a whole lot better than Bagley, Schmezimetu, or Mo Harkless. Um, so, I, I mean... I guess starting there, like, what do you guys, where would you guys, how would you guys react to Buddy Heald, Al Horford, just straight up, or what I'll needs be to furious. be on your side? I'll be furious. I'm, I'm but, intrigued. I mean, for me, I'm very much against the Buddy Heald experiment, so, like, I'm the worst person to ask that. <laughs> let me ask, the... let, Adam, let me ask you, why are you so against it? Because technically, I feel like Buddy Heald, like, we've talked a lot about what Aaron Neesmith could be, or what we want Aaron Neesmith to be. Now, obviously... I know Buddy Heald has shortcomings on the defensive end, but isn't offensively he kind of what we would hope Aaron Neesmith could be? Yeah, for sure. But I just think there's other options out there that can give you a secondary skill. Maybe not defense. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. defense. I'm just very aware of how single single skill or yeah single skill shooters kind of fade out once the postseason comes around. You know, like. Adam, I feel like there's an aspect of how often I'm like, man, I hated watching Buddy Heal tonight. Yeah, you definitely definitely (laughs) played a part in this. You've conditioned (laughs) me. Which there's a reason that he's agitating to watch, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
I just feel like, you know, single skill shooters that literally do nothing but shoot have tremendous regular season value. But once you end up in, deep in the playoff run and you go to half court, more like more half court offense, and that their, their shortcomings are kind of um, magnified, you know? And I think that Buddy will get you to a certain point, but then you're, he's really going to get exposed. When teams, like when it's a seven game series and teams just start running at him consistently and just like tearing him to pieces in pick and roll or whatever it may be and that's going to happen no matter what type of shoot you, you know you go for norman powell he, they're still going he's still going to be one of the weaker defenders there um but i just think like buddy hill's contract if luke canard's available i'd much rather go for luke canard because his secondary skill set's going to be playmaking he can give you a little bit off the dribble can create his own shot there norman powell can give you a little bit off the dribble as well legit two level scorer I just think Buddy limits you in terms of a huge contract for a single skill when there's other guys that shoot as good or nearly as good as him that give you extra pieces around the margins as well. So that's kind of why I'm against Buddy. Okay. That's, I mean, that makes sense. But I also think to, to Brendan's point, like, what is Buddy Heald's value? You know, like maybe Buddy Heald's... million. Dollars. I mean, it's not, but I'm saying in what the Celtics have to give up. It yeah, could be that. actually less as far as in that price point. So I think that all factors in. I mean, I'm with you. I think Powell would, would easily be my choice over Kennard as well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kennard's right in there too. He's, he's a good one that, that needs to be in the mix a little bit more mentioned. Um, but yeah, but Buddy is not somebody that I think would be a, be a dreadful pickup. Um, I think he's somebody that could work for the Celtics, but, but I, I know your thoughts on him are very much entrenched in the conversations that y'all have regularly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I wouldn't be like, when Dennis Schroeder was signed by the Celtics, I was openly insulted that we were going to be asked to work. Like, you know, like if Buddy Hield signed, I'm going to be like, all right, then I, I, you know what you're getting. Your three-point shooting is going to become vastly improved and you're moving on from a piece that's most likely either an aging big man or a package of a couple of guys that weren't really getting much room. So I'm, I'm, I would never be upset about that because I know what he brings. I'm just like, yo, if you need shooting and somebody like Kennard or Powell is available, I'd be much more inclined to look at them before I look at Buddy. And then it's me moaning to Brendan about Buddy rather than Brendan moaning to me about Buddy. You see what I'm saying? I just don't want to have to take that burden away from Brendan. It's one of his favorite things to do. And I don't want it to be attached to somebody I still talk to. Like, let's just... <laughs> Run him out of your life entirely if that's yeah. the case. No, I mean, I mean, I think that, like, um, if Buddy is going to a situation, like you said, you would know what you're getting from Buddy, but I think it's also that but he needs to know exactly what is expected of him and what his role is because it's changed a lot throughout his time with Sacramento. Um, I mean, there's constant change going on in Sacramento. Everybody's role is changing. But their most successful year, uh, the year before Dave Yeager was fired, his last season here when they were just ridiculous pace, and that's when they were getting a little bit of national attention here and there is like the up-and-coming team. It was Fox's second year when he was in conversations for most improved. Um Buddy was the leading scorer on that team. He averaged upwards of 20 and was ridiculously consistent. They're paying ridic very, very high-paced basketball um, where his like poor decision-making doesn't show as much because transition basketball is just a lot more simplified than anything in the half court. Um, but that's And Buddy Heald's a freaking track star. I think that's part of the reason he's able to run in circles and off screens like he does on offense and then still have great effort on defense. Um, I think literally in high school he or in college, one of the two, I, I know he did track previously. You can see it, but he runs his 
butt off and does not um <laughs> and does not have any sort of like fatigue look when he's out there or anything like that um but in the years when he has i guess it's year singular year where he's had a defined role he can fill that really well it's just that like if where where i question the fit and this is outsider's point of view i haven't watched a great amount of the Celtics this year is that um you know maybe moments where there's like I, I think of like a lack of playmaking on the Celtics team like it would have to still stick to the guys it, it's still that Jason Jalen even probably Schroeder are better playmakers than Buddy like Buddy can hit a three-point shot off of a screen off of a couple dribbles he's still a great shooter off the dribble um, but there's no sort of creativity for creating space or utilizing screens or getting downhill to the rim even like so I, I think that like if he's going into a situation where it's like, oh, well, you know, there's not a great playmaker. Maybe I need to do it every once in a while. It's like, oh, I don't know that you want that going on. So um, I think he can be optimized. It's just very much so like I think going to like Philly makes a lot of sense to me. You're giving it to Embiid um, and just space the floor and the guy is not going to help off of you, which instantly does so much for Embiid. And if they do, um, you know, relocate a little bit to punish or anything like this. So I, I think that uh, part of the, um, it sounds harsh, but I don't know how else to word it, like slow processing that kind of seems to be a little bit of the case with Buddy sometimes is if you just give him, this is exactly what we want from you every single night and simplify it, um, that he can be elite in a role. It's just defining that and getting him to, and him being willing to do that. Yeah, I don't think, you know, there's any one move out there when it comes to the Celtics that play because playmaking is, is such a hard aspect to fill at the trade deadline that I think for me, I just look at it as, all right, if we're not going to solve that in one move, let's at least compartmentalize some of our other issues and try to not have three to four issues. And when we get past the deadline, maybe we have two issues. And so with that, we become a better basketball team. But in, I think I think we've talked enough about, about Buddy Hill because there's another guy in the Kings I have very high on my trade wish list. And that's Harrison Barnes. He was probably top of my trade wish list last year. Tried a million different ways to fit him into the TPE that we had last year after Gordon Hayward left. Uh, obviously that didn't work out, but I know there was a, a rumored report that came out a couple, uh, it was a couple of days ago or so. Uh, I think it was like something like Romeo, Pritchard, and, and Neesmith, something out of them plus a, oh, plus a yeah, first. Yeah, it was a Kings reporter uh, that put out the tweet a couple days ago, and I just had him on my pod yesterday or day before or something, and he said it was uh, the um, – and this is from the Celtics side. It was the their first-round pick and two of Pritchard, Neesmith, or Langford. Yeah, that's a – I'll be honest. That's a deal I would do. If that deal's still on the table for – but just make too. it this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into that deal. Um, so I, I, let's, I, let's all talk about Harrison Barnes. How are we feeling? I mean, first of all, you can do the deal, but Romeo stays. Um, now we can move on to Harrison Barnes. And I just don't know that, uh, like weirdly, I don't know that Boston does that anymore. I mean, they didn't do it last deadline because if you let Harrison walk, they don't know who's filling that spot. And my logic on why I would have done it is like, well, I thought that last year was, the last season where it was understandable to be like, 
we're not tanking, but it does like we're getting another younger talent and at the same time bettering our draft odds this year. Um, you know, the Raptors finished with one spot better in the odds and they jumped up to four and got Scotty Barnes. Like if the Kings were talking in the Kings at eight, Franz Wagner sitting there and at nine, they get Davion Mitchell. Like Franz Wagner is the exact player that this Kings team needs. So that was part of my logic there with Barnes. And now it's kind of, um, I think I mentioned this with uh, you will the other day too. A lot of it for me is less of like in a vacuum and more of the Kings have to make a big deal this deadline and their most valuable matching salary and any sort of big deal is going to be Harrison Barnes. I mean, for me, Harrison Barnes is, you talk about Franz Wagner being the ideal player for the Kings. Harrison Barnes is the ideal guy. He's exactly what the Celtics need, right? Ever since Gordon Hayward left, they've missed that ball handling wing. Somebody that can be that tertiary option, can shoot. I mean, and I've said this on, I said this on a podcast with Keith the other week. Um, whenever you have a player that the coaching staff are asking to shoot more, then you know that that guy's a team first dude. You know what I mean? Most players, the coaching staff's like, yo, can you just dial back your attempts by like two or three attempts a game? You're killing us right now. They're saying, and they're, like, you know, they're saying to Barnes, like, dude, can you just dial up your attempts by like two or three a game? Because you're killing us right now. We need more. Like, there's a big difference. I think that um, for me, Barnes brings the shooting. He brings the ball handling, brings the defense, brings the championship. Not Well, the, like the content, playing for a championship knowledge brings the um the veteran leadership that's where i was going instead of championship knowledge um he did play on a championship he team. did cha- yeah. Yeah, yeah it's that veteran leadership you know he just kind of adds to the culture that the celtics are trying to build and if it means that you have to move on from aaron neesmith maybe Peyton pritchard some draft picks that's kind of, i completely understand i really really do and at least then you know romeo gets his defined play no i'm only joking if you need to move on from <laughs> romeo you do that too uh, you know, give up what you need to give up to get Harrison Barnes is kind of where I'm at right now. And it makes sense for the Kings as well because Harrison Barnes deserves to be on a team that's going to go on the playoff run. Yeah. I mean, if it takes just those young guys to go ahead and to go ahead and get this done, I'm all for it. Now, it really depends. I feel like I'm hearing every, for the Celtics, you know, the, the rumor season is out there. And so with one rumor, they're looking to get the young guys time. The other rumor is they're looking to go ahead and make win now moves and use the young guys as assets. So who knows what's true. But if you look at Harrison Barnes and the timeline that he's on, if you trade some of those young guys, like he has this year and next year on his contract, Al Horford also, you know, has this year and next year on his contract as well. And it's only half guaranteed next year. So you're lining yourself up to give yourself a better chance currently as well as you're kind of resetting the books at the right times with expiring deals. Like, I just think it makes so much sense. And Harrison Barnes is a perfect fit to move away from that double big system and kind of be able to plug him and Grant Williams along with one of the other bigs if you're going to continue to play, you know, a similar style, but in an upgraded version. Um, I just, yeah, if that's what it takes, I would be really disappointed that the Celtics don't make that deal two years in a row if it's something along those lines. Well, I think the difference this year is there's, not that TPE. So what's the matching 
the yeah, larger match. That makes it harder. Piece. I mean, it's my guess like is Josh Richardson, Marcus he, Smart. He right? pretty One much. Of the two. I, I think Josh Richardson would probably be the piece. This is kind of where I saw uh, Hernan Gomez fitting in before the Celtics made that that salary cap move. Was like Josh Richardson, Hernan Gomez, Romeo or Neesmith or Pritchard in a pick. Like that was kind of the the, the format I had seen. Now without Hernan Gomez, it's it's probably Jay Rich and you know, one or two of those young guys, and that, that kind of gets you there or gets you close to there. Yeah, and I, I think, again, like, in a vacuum, I think the trade makes sense. Um, but, I mean, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but we've heard, like, playoff mandate over and over in Sacramento and that they, I mean, I would guess this has been more so from the fan base rather than any sort of reporting, but... Um, growing more and more skeptical of the general manager. And, um, you know, maybe if they're willing to commit to optimizing the draft pick this year and, and getting a little bit younger, I think that that route makes sense. Um, I just seriously doubt from what we've seen that they're willing to do that. Yeah, quick question on that playoff mandate. Does the play-in count as, like, hitting your goal of like the playoff mandate or is that like I, I'm very yeah. curious to know how like the how an organization would would view that um I don't know how an organization would but the Kings probably how you would, would uh, too. um yeah I was more so taking a shot at the Kings jokingly um I think that it's kind of sad but like I think that the Kings would take any sort of win that they can and like try to frame it as, you know, we played in the postseason. Um, so I don't know, because it's weird terminology. Like, I, I think that uh, probably 70, 65% of the fan base wouldn't count it. And I, I don't think it should count or anything. Um, I, I think when I, like when I hear playoff mandate, it's more so that like we are not willing to kind of bottom out and uh, retool um, that we need to try and do something right now and um i wouldn't be surprised if when monty mcnair pitched the job that he was thinking of um making a big splash with a notable trade um you know that's what he's from the daryl maury tree that's what maury does and maury did um i want to say maury did this with well he did it with james harden the first time um i don't know if he goes back further in houston i don't i believe so but i don't want to get that wrong um you saw him do it with cp3 so it wouldn't surprise me if that was kind of the idea and they're sitting waiting for um the optimal time to be able to jump on one of these guys and you know like you're kind of seeing this is the sort of trade market that lines up for a potential opportunity to do something like that with uh ben simmons demontis sabonis um and yeah again harrison barnes is the most valuable um asset that has a significant contract to match for some of those guys, but he was linked today in uh, Jake Fisher's piece for Bleacher Report um, to the, actually it was um, Keith Smith's piece today. Um, it, he was linked, Harrison Barnes that is, to the Bulls. Um, Bulls, Celtics, I'm forgetting who else, uh, and Jazz, and then one, and the Sixers. Um, and then I also know that the Celtics were also listed in there with Robert Covington and there's another one as well that I do not remember. I want Jeremy to say it was Grant, Jeremy Grant. Yeah, yeah I think Jeremy so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, it, but the bulls and the jazz were also linked to both of those guys as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think that like this prototype is really valuable. Um, it's just that 
for Sacramento's stance or what it seems like they want to do moving forward. It's one of these weird situations where they're trying to trade a guy that is impactful to winning now to get a guy that's going to help them win now. And like those non-changing timelines make trade scenarios really weird. I mean, there is another guy that's super valuable that's name's been getting thrown around a bunch by by Kings fans and by Celtics fans. Marvin Bagley. Yeah. Tristan Thompson, Marvin, maybe. Yeah, true. I mean, we all miss Tristan Thompson. <laughs> Bring nah, him back, maybe. I'm talking about young Dennis Schroeder. That's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about young, do not do this. faster do not. version of Dennis Schroeder, Mr. De'Aaron Fox. God. God, you really said okay. Yeah, sure. you don't. You disagree. You disagree. Shots fired on the Schroeder. Schroeder. Statistically, they look quite similar. Fast, very ball dominant, very much uh, pressure to rim type of guy. Neither have got a reliable outside jumper. Both of them have terrible assist to usage ratios. Like you know, they they talk me out of this, man. Talk me out of this. Look, you got to defend your boy Fox, on here, Brendan. <laughs> what does the Aaron Fox do differently to Dennis Schroeder? Um, I mean, I I tend to think that he's like good at basketball most nights. <laughs> uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that, I guess. Um, but what yeah. does he do differently? What skill? What part? What part of his skill set is different to what Dennis Schroeder offers the team? Talk I think Fox me. can get wherever he wants so uh, can on every possession. Uh, I mean, it depends. I, I Maybe Schroeder doesn't want great things sometimes. Um, but at the same time, that Fox is a lot better playmaker. You know, Fox averaged okay. seven assists last year, and he's really good at setting other guys up for him. Um, I, I do think it is a lot of being able to get wherever you want and utilize that great speed to set up yourself and his teammates as well. Um, There's still more upside. He's 24 years old. Like I, I know that guys, um, it, it's easy to look at a guy and be like, oh, he's been around for a little while, but especially for guards, it's not crazy to ha- still continue to develop at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean. These assists though, these seven assists, Yeah. <laughs> How how are they coming? Are they coming as dump off passes? Are they coming as secondary options behind scoring? Is he looking to score before he's looking to pass? No. Uh, or yes, looking to score first. Yes. Um, this and year. Wait, and, and are his passes only coming when the scoring option is completely and utterly shut down? No. No. Um, no, because the years prior, before he got Tyrese, before he got Tyrese, he never had another playmaker alongside him. He never had a guy that averaged more than four assists per game. Now Tyrese comes in and is averaging freaking 10. Um, you know, Fox said the other day, Tyrese is like far and away the best passer he's ever played with. Because Tyrese came out is far and away the best player on the team. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's yeah, he's a future MVP. Like, he's just a shorter Jason Tatum, but better, you know? Better. <laughs> oh, my God. You can tell that's his boy, right? Oh, my God. No, it's not oh my, my boy. Like, I didn't even realize hey, I was doing it with Tyrese. I was just trying Tyrese to find some way Jason to get back Tatum. at you for this Schroeder thing. I was just yeah, trying to get back at you. That's you, dude. The Schroeder yeah. one, like, I'm not saying that they're the same player, and I'm not saying the Aaron Fox is not as good as what you, like people expect him to be. I think the Aaron Fox is a really good player, but I just think there's a there's a very large crossover between the two of their skills. Obviously, I'm not saying I think through, um, through their 
that he was similar to Fuck. He doesn't do level Fuck, does it? But what I'm saying is, they their games are very similar. One just operates on a higher frequency than the other. Yeah, I, I think their styles are similar. Yeah, and and I think it's just um probably about consistency and decision making. Um, so that that's that I I think I'm it's kind of why I'm out on the Aaron Fox and right? Schroeder thing. I'm so <laughs> shook by this right now. And I take back the Tyrese thing because this was me just trying to. <laughs> when when you yeah, said Fox Schroeder thing, now. I'm just is, looking is that... through these rosters. I'm like, man, what can look I do? The, look at their numbers, man. Look at no. Them, I, look I at think their... I think what it really is is that Damian Jones is just a he's older, uh, older Robert Williams that just hasn't <laughs> given gotten an opportunity yet. You know, all I'm saying is go away, <laughs> look at cleaning the glass, look at Schroeder versus Fox in terms of their numbers and their skill sets are similar. I'm not saying that Schroeder that Fox isn't good. And I'm not saying he's at Schroeder's level. He's far and far and above. So Schroeder's like version 1.0, and Fox is like version 2.0. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So Schroeder is Windows 95 or Windows Vista, and the Aaron Fox is Apple Mac 10.9 or whatever they're on now. You know, there's a huge difference, but you know, essentially they give you the same stuff. One just gives it you better. Style-wise, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. you know, your style is generic. Mine's authentic made. <laughs> What's that from, Will? Um, dude, I'm blanking on it, but it's I know it's a rap lyric, obviously, is but I, I can't. No, nah, it's from 8 Mile. Okay, I had Eminem that was in my head, yeah. but I didn't want to say it out loud. Your style is generic. Is it? Your style is generic. Mine's authentic made. Yeah, it's I from one of like the rap battles towards the end. Uniclinic yeah. aid. My technique's bizarre and ill. I scar and kill. Yeah. You don't yeah. know that one. You wear a but is it M or is it a guy against him? Grill. No, it's is it M. A guy against him? No, it's M. It's M. They're in the car park lot. Okay. When they're doing the... Um, oh, okay. You know when they're doing... The, the Ooh, we should do an eight-mile eight rewatch of the podcast. That'd be fun. I haven't watched that in forever. Like, okay. Do you know what? If we could get Peyton Pritchard on to do it with us. <laughs> I forgot about that. P-Rabbit on the mic. Anyway, so so why what would it take to obtain better Shruda? And why would Boston not do it? Um, I think it would probably take. I tried. I was trying to come up with some slight, but I love Jalen Brown, so I'll just call him Jalen Brown. Um, that's a no dog. And the Kings could throw in a little bit more, but like I don't know what else I could look at. And I mean, you want to do Jason? I mean, Tatum? I don't it's know not worked like. <laughs> I don't know why it's going to work with Fox. Because Fox is a good basketball. Uh, yeah. Okay, that, see, that makes sense. That makes sense. But if he's so good, why did the Kings want to move him? I mean, if <laughs> Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are so good, why can't they win basketball games? Yeah. You know, like what are the, we're all in losing situations right now. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to put Brendan into spots and he's fine. But you got back. your guys' situation will end, and you're you're confident that like at some point, I'm like. I have to convince myself, like, oh, it will, but will it really, you know, like... You have to remind <laughs> yourself that you're... You have to try to convince yourself, like, hey, we're only in the longest losing drought in the entire yeah. history of the yeah. NBA. It, it's going I, to end some at point, some point. Yeah, yeah. This is our fortune. Usually, of of averages, <laughs> history shows that this is about when it ends, you know? Like. <laughs> but hold on, let's let's talk real quick. In a hypothetical world with this De'Aaron Fox, Jalen Brown swap, which, which I'm not really into, but you, you, you said this a second ago. What if the Kings threw something else in? Like, 
I, I'm curious to know what else would you sprinkle in to feel comfortable enough to get Jalen Brown? And I'm curious if that can get me and Adam to the point of, of thinking about making that move. Because one for one, we're both out. Gonna, but I'm curious to know what you would add it. I already know who he's going to add. You think I'm going to say Grant? Oh my. No. I know exactly who you're going to add. For oh, on, on my end. Um, well, it's got to be somebody actually substantial. Um, I mean, I would think I would think that it's a protected first. It would be the main thing, like a top four protected first. Yeah, I mean that definitely sweetens the pot. I mean, I I, like I said, I I'm with Adam. I just don't, and we talked about this on on my show the other day, Brendan. Like, I just don't think Fox for Brown does enough to like. Like, I I think they're somewhat equal in talent, but I like Brown's skill set more than I like the Aaron Fox's skill set, and I don't think his playmaking is good enough that it really accentuates Jason Tatum to the point that it's like, hey, just this pairing makes more sense. So maybe, you know, I, I think certainly if you add in an unprotected or basically unprotected, you know, first round pick, I got to think about it. If you get to two, it gets really hard to turn down, but then it gets to the point where are the Kings really going to do that? Like, yeah, like what, what is what the point of the doing? Kings doing yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. then how do they surround Jalen with anybody? Yep. Yeah. So. I think the guy that Adam is writing down is, I mean, is it Marvin Backley? It's not Marvin Backley. Never insult me like that. Again. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, for me, if we're actually talking Jalen Brown, the, the guy that we'd be talking about is Tyrese Halliburton. Like that's that's why that's we're a, not talking about it. Exactly, that's, that's what I'm talking. saying. That's, that's that's where that conversation goes for me because that's a guy who does fit really nicely. And then you got to kind of pair like whether it's you know Harrison Barnes and pieces or whatever because the salaries are so so vastly different. I, I I I was thinking about this a lot today. I. I mean, Tyrese is as close as it gets to, like, untouchable. It's one of those, like, have-to-be-blown-away sort of things, in my mind. Because I, I I don't know what the ceiling of Tyrese is. Like, he's 22 years old, I say very confidently. He's uh, 21 years old. He's about hey, to be 22. not know your friend's age, man. <laughs> he's 21. He's about to be I? 22. About to be 23. You're draft yeah. eligible next year, right? That's when you can transfer. You know, for us, Brendan don't know how old I am. What do you mean? <laughs> um, what player would you add? Come on, I've wrote mine down. What player are you going to add Davion to Mitchell. make it worth bringing in Jalen Brown, giving up Jalen Brown? I want to see Boston if I've wrote that. Side? Well, what do you mean from Boston da- side? I mean, I mean on uh, Sacramento side, yeah. Uh, I mean, Davion Mitchell? That's not who I wrote down. Still okay, answer, right? like as that. far as like something else that's intriguing if we're not talking yeah, yeah you I wrote who, down so, like the second round pick at the bottom down here huh no is it like Jamias oh. Ramsey or Robert Wooder that's who I thought you were gonna put pick Rashawn Holmes okay. oh your okay. boy I do like I Rashawn. thought I thought about this but then I was it's like Time Lord and Holmes I don't yeah well uh, you need someone off the bench right you need energy off the bench you know, you I mean, for me, if it was going to be giving up Jaden Bryan, I'm going to want a deal that gets me De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes that somehow, you know, I'm not, I think that's attainable. It, obviously, Boston would have to sweeten the pot somewhere and find out a way to do that's that. That's the Horford contract. Like being, Horford. Being put yeah, there, but, yeah. You, you know, there's going to need to be some young players, maybe a draft pick or two attached. And all of a sudden, Tobias Harris is somehow involved in this deal. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants all the money. I, I hope for all of our sakes, Tobias Harris is not on any of our teams when this deadline <laughs> passes. Well, I weirdly think that the 
Tobias Harris would be like the second best player on the Kings, so I don't know what the. <laughs> I don't know how to, how to feel about that. <laughs> that tells you more about the Rustin than it does about Tobias. Yeah, I mean, Buddy's got the same amount of years. I I could be, I hate myself. But I could be talked into it. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's for a, me, that's like, a dark life, my friend. <laughs> for me, I'm very much along the lines of like, I could, I want Barnes. I could live with Buddy. And for some reason, I think I'm the only Celtics fan on the planet that doesn't want Fox. I mean, I just like, gave you a couple of reasons that I'm like Fox, unless to your point, like I'm getting talked into it with draft picks or also yeah, getting someone really like Harrison Barnes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like Darren Fox individually by himself just doesn't, doesn't really do it. do it for me unless you're doing it without the Jays, but you're not. So I'm not going to waste my breath or our breath, yeah. collective breath talking. So now at this point of the show, considering we're recording before the game, I would Hold like on. Bre- Hold on. Adam, what does John Morant do better than Dennis Schroeder or different than different than Dennis Schroeder? John Morant. Yeah. Oh well for one, John Morant literally jumps over human beings. I mean Dennis Schroeder could jump over a human. A small human. I think Jaws jumping over buildings at this point. Like. Yeah, Jaws jumping over like <laughs> Okay, Ja Ja Morant is jumping over legitimate giants. Okay. All right, you, got, you got me there. And I, I should have said Fox. I think Ja Morant's a, a better shooter. I think Ja's a better shooter. I think Ja's also better as a ball handler. He's better as a distributor. He navigates screens far better than what Dennis Schroeder does. He he um he manipulates defenses as a ball handler better than Dennis Schroeder does. He's a better off ball cutter than Dennis Schroeder Very is. Offended. I'm just, you know, I'm just. I'm just you. I think everything you just said. I think everything you just said is the exact same answer for Fox. Outside of the ridiculous, like Fox is a tier below uh, Morant in athleticism when it comes to vertical athleticism, but I, I, my hottest take. Did I just say this with you, Will, the other day? Uh, I don't, I don't remember where it was. Is that Morant is clearly better. I don't know that it's a ginormous difference. So here's my kind of rebuttal. Between there. Morant and Fox, just to yeah, make sure. If you swapped okay. their two teams this year, just them on their teams, I don't know that either team is more than two or three games better or worse. So here's my rebuttal. And I'm going to be preface this with, you know, I watch more Morant than I do Fox because why am I going to watch the Kings? Um, and that's not a diss to the Kings. I love like, you, you know. No, it's not like that. It's like, you know, if I'm watching basketball that's non-Celtics, I'm watching for pleasure, not for work. So I want to enjoy my experience. Um, so unless, obviously, a good team's playing the Kings, I'm not going to be watching the Kings. But from my rebuttal there would be, I'd, I'd never wish injury on anybody, but if Jar and Fox both had the same injury, say, like, you know, a knee problem, and they lost a step or half a step of explosiveness. I think Jar's shooting ability allows him to translate into a new role and be a viable option on offense, whereas I'm not as confident about that for Fox. I think that um, I just need to see for sure that this is going to stick with Jar. I mean, Fox shot 37% from three in his second year. That's fair. That's fair. I I I can agree there. 
that was, so that was one just, of the points I was going to bring up as well as the shooting. But you're you're totally fair. I was actually uh, watching a little bit of the Knicks Cavs the other night, and that was the big thing with Julius Randle, right? Like, hey, was that shooting real? If it's real, that's a good contract the Knicks gave him. If it's not, it doesn't look ideal, and so far it doesn't look ideal. So you need a little bit of a larger sample size to buy in. I think that's a that's a pretty fair point. And like Jaw's phenomenal. Uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from Jaw. I I just think that like. It's too early for me, and I've been admittedly a Fox defendant, to be like, Fox can't do X, Y, or Z when he's had three coaches in five years. He's had two general managers. The player that he's played alongside the most is Buddy Heald, and we heard everything we just talked about (laughs) with Buddy Heald. Um, Marvin Bagley was the other centerpiece around him. Uh, I just, like, if they traded for Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris would be the best teammate that De'Aaron Fox has ever had. Yeah. You, you're just really saying, available. give him a chance at some competent pieces around him, and yeah. then let's 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 judge him. It's kind of like a, in the NFL when a high like a, a talented quarterback gets drafted, and they have different OCs and different head coaches every single year. It's like this guy stinks. It's like, well, he's a different system every year. So yeah, it, yeah. It's maybe, hard maybe he doesn't warrant like building a team around him, and that's where you could run into an issue, right? But when you look at like, okay, how do you build a team around a slashing, athletic, playmaking guard? Um, that is also maybe not a great defender, you do exactly what Memphis did. You get as many 3 and D players as you can in every single position, and it's turned out pretty well. And, and I mean, Memphis did really well without Jaw, too. It's not that Jaw isn't an aspect of that. It's just that, like, it's in a really good environment, and Fox is in a really, really bad environment. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, I kind of feel like I offended you when I first called in improved Schroeder. Oh, you didn't? But, yes. Yeah. It was an offensive statement, Adam, yeah. even from a Celtic no, like, side. Yeah. I, I, I gotta say it was... <laughs> <laughs> like, but, like, I can see where the allure is to, like, trying to develop Fox and see what you've got under the hood once you surround him with good players. I'm just not sure that that's worth giving up a Jalen Brown for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm with you. Like, from a Celtics perspective, like, I'm not going to give you a guy that's already been an all-star that... You know, when he decides to play defense, he's a really good defender. And when he plays within the system, he's a really, really, really good scoring, slashing, pull-up shooting, fantastically, excellently great wing. I just think, you know, I like like the notion of Fox, but I think the notion of Fox is as far as it would go for me. And then, again, I do think there is a slight overlap between... Fox yeah, and I think it makes Fox. sense from what you're saying from Boston's point of view. Um, he had to slip that last part in there. He just no, had to yeah, I wasn't going to let it happen. <laughs> I think it makes sense what you're saying from Boston's point of view. I I think the there, argument dude. that I just presented is more of like Sacramento's, wow, we don't have that much talent, so why would we give away one of our best talents sort of thing. So I think now, at this point, with the two teams playing tonight, what we need to do is we need Brendan to tell us how many points the Kings are going to win by. This is going to be a horrible basketball game. I hope you guys realize that. Like, especially for what I've seen with, yeah, I had people in my mentions today when I tweeted out that Fox might not play, by the way, um, that that was the case. They were like, oh, man, I don't know. The Celtics always, like, this was sarcastic, always play great when the other team doesn't have their best player. And I'm like, God, am I sure this isn't a Kings fan? This is horrible. Um, there's so many things that are the exact sounds so similar this year it's blown my mind um so 
I don't know if the Celtics, the Celtics have blown a lot of leads from what I remember with what Adam has told me. The Kings have done the same. Anybody that gets up really early still could totally come back. And I'm just, uh, yeah, just going to really watch Dennis Schroeder in tonight for sure. I was genuinely, I feel like you found the pocket on this beat. So I felt like I had to pull it on. Fine with me. It was a little B-Rabbit. Brendan used to be around. Nope, nope. What I'm saying is Brendan, nope. was like, he's B-Rabbit of the pod. Yeah, I mean, you just found the pocket really well. I thought it went well with your voice, so I thought I'd add it in there. I think that the Celtics are going to win. I think Jason Tatum's going to go for a 35 piece. Um, I think the Aaron Fox is going to carve open that defense because the Celtics have been terrible in transition. Uh, if, if Fox doesn't play, I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to have his way. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to definitely be a scrappy one. Uh, the Kings are one of nine teams who have not allowed a 40-point game this year. And I did say a 35 piece, though. Yes. <laughs> well, from the other team, they haven't allowed a 40-point game from an opposing player. Celtics are tied for the second most 40-point games this year. Three from Tatum and two from Brown. And uh, I- I'm going to say that one of those guys gets 40 tonight. Those guys are going to do whatever I- they want. I think Tatum's a, so Tatum is a guy that gets exceptionally hot when he gets hot, and I'm hoping because he was so beyond frozen before the 50 point game to the point that he missed 20 straight threes that I'm saying that I think this is going to be the moment because I'm trying to be as optimistic as possible that I'm with Adam. He's gonna have a big game. Let's you know let's just go on the limb. He's he's done it before where he's had 40 and 50 point games back to back. So. Uh, let's let's I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that he's the first one to crack forty against Kings tonight. Yeah, muy caliente. That's his name from now on. <laughs> El diablo muy caliente. That's and by the way, is. Buddy Heald has the record for most made threes in TD Garden. This was, really? two, this was not last year, but the year before. He made eleven. I remember that. He had 41 I points. Really, I, I, in the I, I remember saying to you, it had to be a Buddy Hill type guy. Because that was the season. Celtics won. Buddy Hill, like the, the garden, bring him to Boston, you know? Bro, that we, was we the could season. use some of those games. Where random guards were tearing the Celtics up every game. It would be an Ish, Ish Smith, then it would be a Cor Joseph, then it would be a Buddy Hill, then it would be a Phil Pressy on a 10 Terrence day. Ross. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Obviously, Phil Pressy was never on a 10 day. I was exaggerating and being facetious. Brendan, my guy, before we let you go, because I feel like we veered off track 95% of this episode, it's definitely not followed the normal format. Before I let you go, would you like to let everybody know where they can find your self-deprecating by the sounds of it, <laughs> King's coverage? Yeah, you can. Uh, my next episode of King's Pulse is uh, why Darren Fox should dye a patch of his hair yellow. Um, and featuring uh, adam taylor yes definitely and um yeah writing at the king's herald sacramento b that's all i got my guy I appreciate you YouTube? yes there is a youtube it's king's pulse yeah appreciate you see you know not more about instagram? my stuff than i do what was that not on instagram it's technically a thing king's pulse on every platform anything you need right there you need to improve this sales pitch man I know. If it's you want a confidence find... thing, I couldn't even confidently tell you why Fox was not Schroeder. This is a tough, it's a tough look for me. He's gonna go away later and just pull loads of clips of Schroeder and Fox and be like, "Oh my god, he was right." No, absolutely, <laughs> no. Anyways, anyways, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it for you. 
if you want to find Will, Will's play. about to tell you everywhere you can find him. Yeah, you can find me at Wilbon13, W-I-L-L-B-O-N-1-3, and that's going to be good for both Twitter and Instagram. You can also find him over at Green Envy Pod, where they're doing podcasting stuff. That's right. We also had Brendan on over the weekend. We had basically an hour-long conversation about the similarities of the Celtics and Kings this year, which is extremely unfortunate, plus some trade talk mixed in. You can find that all at Green Envy Pod both on Twitter and Instagram. And the other member of our three-man weave, Greg, is on there with me as well. Can I ask you a question? Was that podcast more structured than this one? You're talking to me or Brendan? I don't care who answers it. You were both there. I don't tend to have like that much structure in my in pods. I like to free flow. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I mean, we basically had the same thing. I think it was just we veered off in different areas. But I think it was like a similar setup. Okay. If you want to follow me, you know where I'm at. As usual, scroll down. No, 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 no. You cannot give me a hard time for not plugging all my things and then just pull that. You know where I'm at. Come on. Come on. You can find me on YouTube at Adam Taylor NBA, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, on um, anywhere else at Adam Taylor NBA. You can find me. House of Bounce, Heavy. This guy's a script writer. I'll be writing writing for Heavy. I'll be everywhere. That's where I'll be. Everywhere. Search the internet. He's there. I'll, I'll be yeah. in the trap. Nicki Minaj. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry that I tell you, told you to keep going. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this show, scroll down to those five stars. If you're on an Apple device or a or, sorry, if you're on Apple or Spotify, hit those five stars. If you're on an Apple device, make sure you write something nice. Make me, Will, Greg, maybe even Brendan. Just make us all smile. If you're not using a device where you can leave a comment, then my boy Will right here is about to tell you what to do. Yeah, when you hit the shelter this weekend for your local rap community battle show, make sure you tell your friends. Make sure if you're freestyling on stage, give a shout out to the Celtics Blog Podcast and the Three Man Weave. Come check us out. I'm on the Celtics pod. Give the word to Zod. See, I did it right there, the freestyle battle. All right, then everybody have a good one. We'll catch you again on Friday. Tomorrow's Wednesday, right? Yeah, we'll catch you Friday. We're all over the place today. I want to have a good one, everybody.